into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Tuesday, September 5th. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico. See all the ways that you Yay-yo. can save. My name is Daniel Dopp. I am joined by Field Jates. Hello, my friend. What's going on? Week it, one is yeah. Week one is finally here. I, You know what? Coming out of Labor Day weekend, Field, I hope that you got a little bit of like you know, a little bit of relaxation. You've been going nonstop, not just as a new dad, but you got a lot of stuff going on, all the NFL live that you're doing. So sure. hopefully a little bit of time to breathe before we go ahead and do the whole thing again and make sure that you don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, I had four out of five days with both my children at home, so I'm Yikes. not sure I feel any more relaxed, but you know, something could not be more fired up. Your Detroit lions play football in two uh, days from right now. Let's freaking go. Let's go we wait all year for this week. This it is, is it. finally here. It's a great feeling. Mama Dop and Papa Dop are here. They're going to watch the game with us on Thursday, which is super exciting. All right. How ex- like I just, I, the lions get to play the chiefs. I know week it's, one and I'm not nervous about it. Really? It's okay if they don't win. I'm pumped. Right, this I'm is nervous what for you are looking for. This is what you you want your franchise to turn around and have these games that you're excited about. You don't want to live in the cellar for super long. Speaking of good football teams, you know who else we're joined by today? Um, the Chiefs. The oh, that was I led you. Colorado was, football. That was tough. No, the Stefania Bell, thinking okay. of the 49ers. Yeah, it's yeah. also a good football team. Stefania, how how you doing, darling? Am I a good football team? Well, or- you might be. I got to be honest. I don't know. You like I a good football team. I always wanted to be part of a football yeah. team. You Stefania singularly is a good football team. What position uh, do you know. want to play? What would you guess? Quarterback. Running back. So Punter. Tip, so typical. No, my idol was number 42, Ronnie Lott. I always oh, wanted safety. to be safety. All yeah. right. All right. Okay. Because I wanted to hit people. Wow, I'm scared. I'm not gonna lie. You right now, what? I'm a little scared. This is what those boxing things are for. Say, there's a good. It's a good thing that today we got a little bit of distance between Stefania over there, about eight feet away from that's us. Right. So that's why they uh, moved thankful. me over here. Yeah, that's right. Friend. Controlling that's her so aggression. Good. I love it. All right, we got a lot of football to get into. It is honestly coming out of this last draft weekend. I had a bunch of drafts. I'll bet you guys did well. I'm still not done. Hey, you I know still what? got drafts coming up over the okay. next three days. I managed to have zero drafts this weekend. What? Well, so I have two rules when it comes to scheduling my drafts. August 30th, Chapin's birthday. Not going to happen. Can't do it. Not doing a draft on her birthday. I guess unless I was at work during the day and the draft took place during work. Otherwise, non-starter. And then I do my best to not have Labor Day weekend drafts unless it's an in-person draft where it's Uh, like fun festivities. But there's just so much going on with the family during Labor Day weekend. A lot of stuff. That I would rather not be like, hey, sorry, I can't go to our neighbor's barbecue because I have a fantasy draft at 4 p.m. with my buds. Wow. Am I the only degenerate that had drafts this weekend, Stefania? Like, help me out. Did you have anything? Uh, let's see. I was in a slow draft. Okay. So okay. that was continuing into the weekend, but All that's right. about it. Oh okay. my gosh. That was a I guess I'm the All right. Oh, okay. that's fair. There you go. All right. We got a bunch of stuff we are going to get into today. We got some injury updates. Nobody gets you more ready for week one and make sure that you are ready for what this player is going to be like throughout the season than Stefania Bell. So Hey-o. we're going to dive into a bunch of stuff there. And then the 10 most important players we Big. think. Big. big names. Some big names we're going to talk about. It's going to be a lot of fun towards the second half of the show. But Stefania, let's kick this off with some injury updates heading into week one. This is not just a week one update, though. <sighs> this is a little bit of season long. Still, we're not quite through the draft season. People okay. are drafting the next couple of days and we are getting ready for what week one is going to look like. So we're going to start with what I think is the biggest injury to talk about. And that is Cooper Cup. He strained his hamstring 
early in training camp field. It didn't even seem all that serious at the time, Stefania. He was making his way back, which included some joint practices with the Broncos. And then we find out from Sean McVay that he suffered a setback. Mm. He's gone to see a specialist. Stefania, what does that mean to us? What's the latest on Cooper Cup? Yes, there's a lot to dissect there. You know, you never like hearing about a player having a setback when it's so close to the start of the season, even if the injury is relatively minor. And then certainly when you hear word of somebody like Cooper Cup, who is at the Rams where they have a top-notch medical staff, is going to see a specialist, that starts raising all kinds of concern and speculation. I will say I've seen a few things floated out there. I can tell you he's not consulting with a surgeon. This is not because the injury took a dramatic turn for the worse. This is really about checking out all available options and modalities to kind of help accelerate the process for him in getting back to playing football. So again, the injury can be not overly serious and the player can still be trying to accelerate his return time. And I think that's what's going on here. Everybody's on the same page. The Rams are on board with this. This is something that was a decision that was collectively uh, decided upon. And he's back with the Rams now. And we're going to hear more of an update from McVeigh probably on Wednesday. Mm. What I will say is that things have shifted because the fact that there is discussion of a setback now makes you look at the start of the season differently. And one of the concerns is that even if the injury is not that bad, are you ready to play Mm. a full season of football? Mm. So, Stefania, how did, I guess I just want to know, like, how did we go from, like, this injury didn't seem as serious as it seems now to, like, now we're at a point where he's likely going to miss week one, and it kind of has me a little bit feeling not all that great for future weeks as well. Exactly, and I do want to take you through that. Remember when it first started, he just pulled up on a route with a little bit of tightness. That is very different from what it looked like when, Uh, Jerry Judy went down, which we'll talk about later. So this injury was considered a mild hamstring strain, Mm. not a big deal. And he was put on a path to recovery with the goal of being ready for the start of the season. The problem is sometimes there's uh, an issue with trying to ramp up conditioning and get ready for football while you're trying to provide ample rest for the hamstring. When he was at the joint practices with the Broncos, he would participate in a few reps of seven on sevens. And then he would go off and work on the side. You know, he never seemed like he was fully back, but it didn't raise too many alarm bells because remember he was on a return to play progression and that seemed to be all part of it. When they talked about the setback that he had, it was a matter of him just not feeling, feeling comfortable with where this leg is and the team not wanting to push him forward because we know there's a high rate of recurrence with hamstring injuries and they are trying to balance What's more important, getting him ready for the start of the season or getting him ready so that he's available the majority of the season once he does come back and we mitigate the risk of recurrence? I would now say, and this is my advice for people who are looking who still have their draft Mm. or if you are looking to go pick somebody else up, there is a very serious possibility that Cooper Cup could miss multiple weeks. And part of the reason for that, two things can be true. The injury can be not that serious And he can still miss multiple weeks because the team does not want to push him early on and have it become a more significant problem. So I think there's the possibility we're going to hear it Wednesday. uh, And a lot depends on what happens in the next couple of days. There will be a lot of conversation. They're still exploring some possibilities. But Cooper Cup might push to try and come back a little bit sooner. But the team has to feel like he's ready to play football. 
And when they hash that all out, it could possibly result in him missing multiple weeks, maybe even an IR stint. Okay. Well, that's really fascinating there, Stefan, because I was going to ask you, not trying to put you on the spot and say that you know exactly how long this is going to last, but I was going to just start reading off my top 150 and you tell me when you would take Cooper Cup before this player. Does that make sense? It does. Can I try this? It, it does. And I, I will tell you, because I'm, I'm going to have this decision to make because it's really going to depend on where he falls. Like, I feel like if we draft today... That's going to be very different than if we draft no, no. tomorrow after totally. Sean McVay talks. Yeah, 100% agree with that. So let's do this for today, and then we can do it again for tomorrow if we get for those that are waiting until Wednesday to do their drafts, and we'll have a bit more clarity. Can we try it right now, though? We can. I'll just rip through it. So I'm just going to start naming players, and when you find a player that you would take Cooper Cup over, you just say stop. Deal? Deal. Here we go. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, B. John Robinson, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Stephon Diggs, C.D. Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, A.J. Brown, Nick Chubb, Travis Etienne, Joe Mixon, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell, Aaron Jones, Chris Olave, we're still going, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Josh Stop. Allen. Okay. Right around there. All right, so that was player 27 on the board, just for some context, and again, Everybody's approach can be different, but Stefania, the medical professional here who knows more about this stuff than anybody else in the business, is is taking that sort of approach. I thought that was educational, Stefania, for those that might be waiting until tonight to do their draft, understanding that tomorrow this whole thing could change if Sean McVay says, we got miraculous news, there's a chance he plays week one, or we got bad news and he might be on IR, as Stefania just mentioned those are the kind of things that have not been entirely ruled out right now. Right. I think those are the things that are up for debate. And the, the advantage of, let me make the case for both, the advantage of not putting him on IR is that if he starts to feel like he's in a good spot within a week or two, he can start practicing with the team. And if you put him on IR, he is not available for practice or games for at least four weeks. So the, if your goal is to ramp up football activity and get him prepared for that, if you're not practicing for four weeks, that mm. means there's likely a little bit more time before you're ready to get back into football. So now you're looking at potentially stretching it to six weeks, uh, something like that. And I think that that's what you have to understand. The other thing is just to go back for all the people who were like, hey, I drafted him early and this is medicine and things change. And the, he was on a progression where the Rams really felt like he could be available week one. And then it just didn't hit something changed. So I would say that's why we do this and we check in on a routine basis because yep. somebody can be on a very linear track and look good and then all of a sudden that can change. Well, and we're really that? appreciative of Sean McVay listening to the podcast, obviously, because he <laughs> talked about how it's about return to performance versus return Stealing to play. Stealing my lines, Sean yeah, McVay. Obviously, Stefania's <laughs> stick, so like I we am, know he watches. I will say this, though. If there was a player playing for a team that I wanted to have a coach involved given the timeline and like the urgency, it's Sean McVay. Him yeah. and Mike Tomlin are by far the most transparent coaches in the entire NFL as it pertains to injury updates. I don't it, think Sean's being coy. I think he's not being at all. genuine and saying like, we don't have a final answer yet. I emphasize that everybody's on the same page. Like if there was a player, first of all, Cooper cup trying to do everything he can to get back to a hundred percent 
is why I felt so strongly about him in the first place, because that's the type of player he is. He wants to take ownership of this and wants to be there for his team, but it's also trying to balance the understanding of he wants to be there for the team long term, mm. not just make an artificial deadline. You've got a coach who's bought into what the medical staff is saying. So when I talk about everybody being on the same page, you couldn't ask for a situation where that's more the case. And sure. that is the part that gives me optimism that says, you know, even if he's out for a few weeks, I'm going to feel very, very good about how he slots in the minute he comes back. If you drafted yeah. Cooper Cup, you're going to have to make likely different plans for week one, it sounds like, although we will keep making sure that you are aware of what's going on, especially tomorrow. If we've got updates from Sean McVay, we'll let you know exactly what we hear. All right, Stefania, let's talk about Joe Burrow. He strained his calf earlier in training camp. We finally saw him back at practice last week. Can I feel good to start yeah. Joe Burrow in my fantasy lineup, or do I still have to be nervous about this? Yes, you can. Look, uh, boy, this is nice after coming off with the last one, talking yeah. about yeah. Joe Burrow. Yes. Uh, Joe Burrow is in – everything is pointing to week one. The expectation is that he's going to start and play. And, look, I've said this before with calf injuries, there is a decently high rate of recurrence, and that's the part – you just can't know until you're actually playing the game. But at some point, you got to play the game to find out, and he's checking all the boxes. And, yes, I do expect him out there to start the season. That is exactly right inside my to top six for week one. Thank you so much. That's what I wanted on Joe Burrow. Let's talk about Terry McLaurin. Obviously, Terry McLaurin, I shouldn't say obviously, just in case you don't know, dealt with some turf toe <laughs> earlier on. Is week one in the cards for Terry McLaurin for us, Stefania? I think week one is up for debate. You okay. know, I think uh, the good news is that uh, this comes back to what we were just talking about. In Terry McLaurin's case, uh, he had what they call a turf toe injury, basically a sprain in the big toe. And there are degrees of it. And his was relatively mild. No structural damage. I feel really good about what the nature of the injury was. Uh, it's a matter of letting it settle down and him being comfortable, being able to plant, push off, pivot, everything off that big toe. And he feels good right now, but again, you don't want to put him out there knowing it's a long season. He knows that. He's very self-aware. So there's a possibility that he is not there week one, but I do not expect him to miss extended time with this. It could be a week, maybe at the most two, but there's also a possibility he plays. So it'll be very, very close to the start of the season time. Okay. Not that I consider the commanders a dominant team. But they do play the Cardinals in week one. Mm -hmm. The Cardinals, who are, you know, 32 of 32 right now in terms of optimism for the upcoming season, wouldn't surprise me if they err on the side of caution simply because of the opponent. I yep. might take Colorado over, <laughs> over the Cardinals. Arizona right yeah, now. Right I now. can't I be Sugar Sanders would certainly start for them right now. Uh, all right, Stefania, let's talk about Jerry Judy. This is a wide receiver I think is really intriguing. He has been in a free fall down draft boards all the way down to the ninth round after being someone that was close to a top 20 wide receiver in yeah. the throws of when we were talking about draft season, Stefania, obviously dealing with the hamstring. What do we know about Jerry Judy? So this is an example of when you know that a hamstring injury is serious right off the bat. He went down August 24th in practice, had to be assisted onto the cart. We told you not to put a lot of stock in players getting transported by a cart after an injury in the preseason because everybody does. But you can certainly pay attention to how they get on the cart, what happens while they're on the cart, and what happens when they get off. He needed assistance getting on. He was holding his leg the entire time, kind of grabbed the back of his right thigh. And when he got to the locker room, needed assistance, could not put weight on the leg and was helped into the locker room. So it definitely had... The, uh, the the markings of a more serious injury at the time it happened. He had an MRI, and we heard that it was going to be a multiple-week injury out of the gate. The problem with a moderate or grade two is that it can be a couple of weeks or it can extend into 
six weeks or longer. And we don't really know where he is right now because he hasn't been doing that much. Now he's been out at the practice field, but he's only been doing work on the side and only light jogging, at least in the portion that's available to the media. So that's a far cry from being ready to return. I love this. Like, could he be ready by week one? I'm not seeing anything there that suggests that he's ready to go out and play four quarters of football. And I think the smart move would be for them to really allow him to recover. He's had some soft tissue injuries in the past, been a little bit slow to get back from them. Hamstring injuries, the highest rate of recurrence of any injury in the Mm. league. They have to give him the time to recover. I think this is multiple weeks before we see him. Cortland Sutton is the wide receiver version of Raheem Mostert. Yes. Right. Two guys who for the first two to four weeks of the season could have quite a bit of value. Yep. And then it might level off to where we were talking about them for most of the offseason. It's a great matchup, by the way, for Sutton in week one. They play the Raiders, who all offseason have had one of the thinnest cornerback rooms in the entire NFL. If Russell Wilson can find his form again, could be a hot start for Cortland Sutton. Yeah. And that's Stefania. That's not the only Denver Bronco that we were looking at here. Obviously, Javante Williams towards ACL and LCL last year. He's been rehabbing. We've been hearing Sean Payton has been mm. aggressively <laughs> optimistic about yeah, his chances to start the season. How do you feel about Javante Williams? Well, I think Sean Payton's going to prove to be right and that he's going to start the season. But I think there for fantasy managers, it's cautious optimism, right? Just remember the nature of the injury, a multi-ligament knee injury. Posterior lateral corner involvement means a more complex surgery and a more complex recovery. He's certainly on the short end of the timeline. His progression back has been relatively linear, like uneventful, which is terrific news for him. And he did even get preseason action against my 49ers. He had four catches. He had three carries. So it showed he could do a little bit of everything. But again, low volume of work. And I think the Broncos are going to be smart and keep him at a relatively low volume of work early on and progress him back. If you heard the offensive coordinator talking the other day about what was going to happen between Javante, Samaj P. Ryan, he kind of gave the, we feel good about all the running backs in the room and the workload would be balanced and Javante would sort of emerge to the workload they think he can have by the time the season is over. And I, I think everybody, you know, it's hard just reading the tea leaves, I think what that tells me is they're not going to commit to Javante being the star or the workhorse early on. And it's really important to assess how he does in those early exposures to football. So, yes, I expect him to play. I don't expect him to get the bulk of the work early. Over this uh, weekend, I, I came up with the 750 things I'm most looking forward to for the football season. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to okay. recite all of them here right now, <laughs> but pretty high up on the list was not having to guess how much Sama- uh, Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan are going to share oh, duties early in the season, right? Because yeah. if Stefania is sort of perplexed by what it might look like, how am I supposed to be any more informed or confident in my estimation of how it's going to look like Early on in the season, maybe it's better than it is by week six because the wear and tear starts to add up. I have no idea. Not a clue. I'm, so I'm I, also uh, told the by the way, to that they things. like Jaleel McLaughlin. I saw that and too. that he's going to get oh. some snaps. So it just, you know, if you're looking for a running back by committee, I'm guessing this is going to be to some extent where you where you might see one. And that Early was on. how Sean Payton became that late in his New Orleans tenure, right? They like yeah, they brought back Mark Ingram and like, you know, mm-hmm. to, to pair with. Alvin Kamara, and they they had sort of a thunder and lightning vibe at times there. So maybe the intentions of Javante Williams, uh, excuse me, of Sean Payton, 
even if Javante Williams were fully healthy, is to ease the workload just a little bit. So I've got him inside my top 24 week one. But of all the running backs I have inside my top 24 week you one. You do have him inside your top 24 week one. I do. Yes. Okay. Do you have him somewhere differently? Uh, I think I am just outside the top okay. 20. So, so we're talking about I mean, 19 we're, we're, versus we're 21. We're really yeah. not talking about anything that different. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not a player inside my top 20 that I have more trepidation. Correct. Putting him inside the top 20 than Javante Williams because if Sean Payton says publicly he'll play a lot but then privately the plan is hey it's it's a 30 snap limit for Javante Williams it would be very hard absent multiple touchdowns in week one for him to actually pay off as a top 20 back but I'm going into the season of him, of him being uh, as him being one of the most calculated dice rolls because he is an extremely talented player absolutely and this Broncos offense wants to get Russell Wilson back on track but they also if you've been listening to Sean Payton all offseason want to run the heck out of the ball we'll see if they can do that because of the division and the conference they play and you're going to have to score points to be competitive but their intentions are to help Russell Wilson in, in part by sort of taking some of the pressure off of him by running the football well. He's you know, it, the only thing I would say, and this is the caution, we've seen it before. I always use Dalvin Cook as sort of the example, but you get excited about what you see when a player looks good when they're back in the game. But Javante Williams has only played 12 snaps of football. That's what he played in the second game when he returned. The quickest way to cause a setback, and it has nothing to do with the integrity of the surgical procedure, but a hamstring strain or some other compensatory injury is to overload the volume too early. So I think they have to be very mindful of that. It is called the Chris Gutt. That's what it is. That's what it's called. We call okay. it the Chris Gutt. It happened last year, right? I mean, he was it was this amazing comeback and they're saying all the right things. And then week one is out there for like 14 snaps and then he's out for three weeks. Yep. These Broncos are going to be really tough. We got a couple more things, but like understanding the running back situation we're trying to figure out here. Yeah. Understanding that Cortland Sutton is going to be guy, the guy, and we're worried about what Jerry Judy is going to look like for the season. Oh, and I don't even get to have Greg Dolchich because he, because freaking Sean Payton brought over Adam Troutman. I thought maybe. I was going to get to have second year tight end. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Ugh, maybe there's some things to figure out with the yeah. Broncos. That's all yeah. I'm saying. All right, Stefania, let's talk about one more here. Brees Hall had his uh, an ACL injury last year through the first six weeks of the season. He was running back eight as mm. a rookie. He looked so stinking good. Obviously, we've heard about the straight line speed. We've made some jokes about that throughout this preseason. But is he going to be ready for us here in week one? Well, I think he's going to play, but we haven't seen him play football yet. Mm. And this is, uh, again, that's sort of one of my things that I keep repeating. You know, The final phase of rehab is return to play. And so this will be the initiation for him is getting back into a competitive football situation and if the Jets are smart and I think they have been smart with his workload so far at least in practice remember he was not taken off the physically unable to perform list until quite late uh, right around when Dalvin Cook was signed with the team I think that they are going to be measured in how they deploy Brees Hall early on in the season now Dalvin Cook's there for a reason and Rich Semini had already reported citing a source that Dalvin Cook was likely to get the majority of the work early on to offload Brees Hall. I think that's still the plan. How that division looks is hard to say, but we're going to need to see Brees Hall back in action and him getting comfortable with that before we get really confident that he's going to be the workhorse in this on this team, which I think he ultimately will be. But remember still coming off the ACL and this is still new territory for him getting back to play. Yeah, totally. Like, and and obviously Rich reported it. So it's great that you have like that further backing on it, but you can also apply some logic here, right? I mean, this is a player in Brees Hall who's a huge part of their future. If they felt like he was going to be 
no holds barred, 100% or close to it early in the season, maybe even week one, would you really spend $7 million on Dalvin Cook? I probably would. Probably not. So especially with this roster having so many pieces in place that they have already paid or having to pay other players at some point down the line, the Jets have to be a little tighter with how they spend now to give Dalvin Cook that real $7 million contract told me that they envision a legitimate role for him to begin the season. All right, Stefania, we are going to have you come back later on at the end of the week. Make sure everybody is all set for week one. Thank you for setting the table for us, though. Like this week is such an important week, making sure that we have all of this information, not just for drafts, but figuring out who we want to set for our lineup for week one. So we appreciate you hanging out with us today. Well, thank you. If there was a, and you know, if if you did take Cooper Cup early, go out, if, go to your waiver wire now. Oh, go, yeah. Go pick up another wide receiver mm. that you can plug in for safety purposes, somebody who people might not be paying attention to right now. Like there are things you can do prior to week one. Uh, if he is not going to be available. And I, like I said, I, I, I don't think he will be for week one. We'll see how long that potentially extends, but you know, yeah. go, go get that insurance. Wednesday. That should be the day. I guess yes. that's tomorrow. We should have more information. Maybe not by the time our show's on the air tomorrow, right. but at least by Thursday. And if you're doing a Hopefully. Wednesday night draft, which we are. We're doing the War Room League draft tomorrow night. It'll be very fascinating to see how far he falls in that draft. 16-team league. Yep. Very little margin for error in that size league. Stefania, you're the best. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. All right, Phil, let's pay some bills. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I would love that. Of course you would. When it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local, local agent today. With the NFL season right around the corner, nonstop football action is in sight. You can get into the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers, all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app before kickoff. Use code FFF to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL bet. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code FFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply. All right, Field GH, we are talking the 10 most important players Back in here fantasy, on fantasy focus. And That's right. Let's do it. Let's talk about the 10 most important players, Daniel. And I want people to know that the 10 most important players is not the 10 best players. It's not a Justin Jefferson through whatever, um, you know, Derek Henry conversation. 10 most important, all for very different reasons. Yep. I sort of bent the rules a little bit and decided what my own interpretation was on each of these players. But these players will help define the fantasy football season one way or another. Feel last year. Deshaun Watson played six games. In those mm-hmm. six games, he was quarterback 17. Yeah, right. He did not look good. 
and we have terrible. had that's him a very nice way. Of putting it. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. We've had him as a top 10 quarterback going into the season within drafting. What do you think you can expect? Can we trust Deshaun Watson as a starting quarterback? Can't fully trust him because what we saw last year was definitely alarming. Beyond that, there have not exactly been overwhelmingly positive reports about yeah, Deshaun this preseason. It's been sort of like demurred. It's been kind of like, yeah, this offense still has a lot to answer early on in the season. That being said, the last time Deshaun Watson was a starter for a full season was 2020. What did he do? Led the NFL in passing yards. Fifth in fantasy points per game amongst quarterbacks. Yep. As a rookie, rookie, he was the highest scoring quarterback on a points per game basis. Obviously, he was injured uh, during that season, so he did not play the full year as a rookie. But the upside is immense for Deshaun Watson. I have been threading the needle here with Deshaun. Quarterback nine is where I have landed, Daniel. But if he balls out and looks like the player he was 2017, 18, 19, 20, then he will end up being the best value amongst quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. If last year was the start of a precipitous decline for Deshaun Watson, it could foil draft plans that have already taken place. And the Cleveland Browns will be more screwed than they have ever been at the quarterback position. And no franchise has a worse track record with acquiring quarterbacks than the Browns. This player will define so much in fantasy football this yep. season. I'm not super worried about what it means for Amari Cooper and maybe even Elijah Moore. It's not really about whether those guys will be effective. Cooper was great last year with Jacoby Brissett, who's the backup to Sam Howell now in D.C. It's more about the people that have made a bet yep. on Deshaun Watson as their starting quarterback. They're going to have to pivot. And as we saw last year, despite the fact that it always feels like there's going to be a bunch of players that you can replace your starter with, as we saw last season, everybody who had to try to replace Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson spent an entire season looking for an answer. And in a lot of cases could not find that answer. Quarterback depth was bad last year. Yeah, I, this is a tough situation because the Browns front office needs this to work like super hard, right? They've invested so much of their franchise into Deshaun Watson being their signal caller for us in fantasy. It's not quite that serious because he's coming off the board quite a bit later than a lot of those other top quarterbacks. So sure. if you do go with a guy like Deshaun, we've talked about this. The upside, like you said, is huge, but the floor is quite a bit lower than what I would have expected it to be. And and that's the part that I'm not totally sure how to quantify. If I'm going in with Deshaun Watson and I make the statement, hey, he's the guy I'm going to make sure I leave my draft with because I don't want someone lower than that. I think there's going to be a little bit early in the season that you're going to have to live with while you figure out who this quarterback is because you're not going to play quarterback carousel over the first three weeks of the season, I wouldn't assume, right? So it's just a really Hard tough to, thing yeah. where it's like you're trying to see over the first little bit, is Deshaun going to be the guy or not? One of the, one of maybe the biggest question mark at the quarterback position in fantasy because the range of outcomes that you could be, I think it's him and Anthony Richardson. Yeah, those two. Right? And, and by the way, Richardson would be a worthwhile player to have on this list. We got enough rookie influence, so I, yeah. I have left him off this list and we've discussed him recently, but no doubt about it, Anthony Richardson also on also that on short that. list. Yeah. Last year, we were having a conversation around Geno Smith and uh -huh. the Seahawks wide receivers. Right, yeah. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, we're out on them because we think Geno's probably not going to be very good. Right. Then he turned out to be pretty good. And I think Damn this good. year, yeah. we've sort of projected that forward a little bit. Field, you've talked about this. Can Baker Mayfield and or Kyle Trask, but we think it's going to be Baker, Baker Mayfield. Baker to start at least, yeah. Be 
like have enough volume, be good enough to be able to support two what could be elite fantasy wide receivers still in Tampa Bay. Guys who have been, that's have for sure. Been in the Mike past. Evans and Chris Godwin, can they be again this year? That's why Baker Mayfield is so important in the context of fantasy football. I'm not talking about him because I think there's a chance. Yeah, we're not starting back 11 yeah, in week exactly. four and you're fired about that. It's more that if Baker Mayfield plays probably better than what he did down the stretch last season, close to where he was as a rookie for the Browns, we'll be in business with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Godwin, who has just feasted over the past couple of years on targets, and then Evans, who up until last year was always finding the end zone. Now, Mike Evans, as we know, has the nine straight seasons of at least a 1,000 yards. That can be a bit misleading, though, in terms of how consistent he has been in fantasy. He's yeah. been a bit more big play dependent than most players who have comparable receiving production over the last half dozen or so years. We need Baker Mayfield to be great. Let me take that back. We need we, Baker Mayfield to be good, good enough yeah. to keep these guys afloat. And if he does, we're going to have the same conversation that we did around midseason of last year where it's like, oh, DK and Tyra Lockett were the best values amongst wide receivers. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin could both end up being amongst the best values of wide receivers. Mike Evans is going around wide receiver 30 right now. Yep. Probably over the last five years, maybe the lowest he was going was like wide receiver 12. Think about that dip in production. Yes, age is starting to become a factor for Mike Evans, but the quarterback play is the real driving force behind that drop in ADP. So it would not surprise me if Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are being talked about in a similar light to DK and Tyra Lockett. We just need quarterback play to be good enough. And if it goes from Baker Mayfield to Kyle Trask, unless that's because of an injury, it means that Baker Mayfield was not good enough. And it means that your Chris Godwin and Mike Evans shares early in the season are not paying off. Probably not paying off. Yeah. yeah which is not what you're looking for. Here's a question though. Is Mike Evans still like six foot five to he's still 30? six foot five. You can't teach that still an elite red zone weapon. You throw the ball up his direction. He's yep. got a chance to go up there and snatch it. So if I'm the Buccaneers, that's part of my game plan is just force the uh, issue to Mike Evans, which they tried that at times last year. It wasn't like total targets. That was a major, a real problem. It was just him and Tom Brady's connection last year was off. Maybe in part because the offensive line play was so bad, right? That they couldn't keep Brady protected long enough to throw the football down the field. Some ridiculous, I think it was like 40% of Mike Evans production came in two games last year. Yes, it did. So you just can't have that. One of those fantasy. games you were already eliminated right. from the it fantasy playoffs. The, just so yeah, you know. He won you your <laughs> consolation championship. Congratulations, Congratulations on that. on that toilet bowl trophy. Ayo. Super exciting. All right, let's talk about Garrett Wilson. Let's do it. Yes. I'm not sure that there's a more exciting wide receiver right now. In fantasy football, mm. given all of, like, yes, Justin Jefferson's exciting. Jamar Chase is going to, but like, we're expecting Garrett Wilson to take a really big step from last year to this year, in part because he's got a Hall of Fame quarterback under center throwing the football. What do you think Wilson will look like with Aaron Rodgers rather than the three guys he played with last okay, year? So I've got him as wide receiver nine. Okay, I actually think that wide really receiver good. nine is an unlikely outcome for Garrett Wilson. What too I mean by that is it's like, Somewhere in between. Oh, right. The median outcome for Garrett Wilson might prove to be wide receiver nine. If you were to run a hundred simulations of the upcoming season, he's so talented. Yeah. The buzz has grown all off season. He went from like the trendy. He was the trendy breakout pick. Once the jets became the clear destination for Aaron Rodgers, to all of a sudden going like fifth, sixth, seventh overall in drafts or mock drafts that I've been a part of Garrett Wilson's either going to be exactly as advertised and as expected 
Or we're going to be saying to ourselves, you know, we do this thing every year where we just overthink fantasy football and rather just taking rather than just taking C.D. Lamb or Devontae Adams, who have proven, especially in the case of Adams, for a long period of time that he can just do the job over and over and over again. We go for shiny object syndrome, mm-hmm. which is Garrett Wilson, right? A guy yep. who won offensive rookie of the year. He's a really talented guy. Still, he had 1,100 yards and four touchdowns last season, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't that great. Maybe you just take the certainty of a Devontae Adams or a C.D. Lamb or a Monroe St. Brown or an A.J. Brown. One of those two outcomes is more likely. Wilson's like wide receiver five, totally mashes. It looks like Devontae Adams Jr., or he's more like wide receiver 17, and it's like he's a really good player. He's not going to be the reason that you lost but maybe we shouldn't have overvalued him too much based off of the legit star power we have on the board in the first 10 wideouts. Do you, th- if he finishes as wide receiver 17, It'll just be playing out that narrative, do yeah. you, is that because of him or because Aaron Rodgers might actually be the guy that we saw? Like he's trending down towards the tail end of his career. It's a hard question to answer. It might be because it's, I, I think he's super talented as Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Um, so does Aaron and, Rodgers, by the way, yeah. if you watched hard knocks, he made it very clear. The kid is special. Yeah. And de- defenses might treat, Garrett Wilson like Devontae Adams, which there wasn't always an answer for in Green Bay. But, yeah, but Devontae Adams is, like is one of the best, if not the best wide receiver over the last like decade. Yeah. Right? So it could be that, you know, they just tilt their defenses in a certain way where they tell you that if you're going to beat us, meaning the Jets you are going to beat us with somebody who's not number not, 17. Right. Yeah. Um, but or, or maybe to your point, Rogers, just like in the same way that the Deshaun Watson cliff began last year. Maybe it began for Rodgers as well, but he's so reinvigorated right now and saying all the right things. And maybe I'm just taking the hard knocks hype too seriously, but Aaron Rodgers feels like a different dude right now compared to the one last season in green Bay. There were only four wide receivers that averaged 10 or more targets per per game game last year. Do you think that Garrett Wilson gets to jump up into that list with Aaron Rodgers force feeding him the football? Okay, so I mean, if I were to make a bet, my answer would be no because there was only four. Because that's last really season. tough to it's get really there. Tough to do, right? But I think it'll be eight I, plus. Like if you if the, if you gave me eight plus or minus, I eight take plus or minus, plus. you would do that. Yeah. Okay. I feel over like under eight, I would take the over. That ten, it's tough. Ten is like that number that I'm looking at, right? If you yeah. get to that, if you're seeing ten targets a game, you're seeing elite volume. And I think that Garrett Wilson last year he saw eight targets a game with those quarterbacks under center. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers just lock into this guy the same way that he did with Devontae Adams. Hard to be able to project that. But if you see it and he gets that volume, he could be much higher than the wide receiver nine that you were talking about. Their chemistry was awesome in like their two preseason drives. That touchdown throw was a thing of beauty. So Garrett Wilson, this at the beginning of the offseason was the chalkiest breakout wide receiver pick in fantasy. He was. He may well pay it off because the opportunity is so ripe for a guy with all that talent. That's right. Field Jason Daniel up here on Fantasy Focus. We are talking about the 10 most important players that we are looking through in our fantasy. 10 most important players in fantasy. That's right. And I'm talking about Deontay Johnson right now, Field. Last year, Deontay Johnson, what was the stat? 85 or more receptions. I prefer not to be reminded of it. And uh, no touchdowns. touchdowns. Only player in NFL history to do that. But you know what he did the first three years of his career? What did he do? He scored 20 touchdowns over the first three years of his career. Last year was an aberration. It is not going to happen again, Field. Both you and I feel that way. Deontay Johnson is absolutely going to have positive touchdown regression here. I like his growth with a second year Kenny Pickett under center. I think that this is a guy that has been had been going too low in fantasy drafts for too long. I think it started to 
to creep up a little bit, but we also have a lot of George Pickens hype. I've mm. seen a lot of George Pickens right around Deontay Johnson. So I think that this is a really interesting conversation with the positive regression that should come back for Deontay Johnson here Do this year. Do you believe that anything that Deontay Johnson does comes at the cost of George Pickens, or do you see a way that both these players take big steps forward? I think because the offense is going to be more efficient and because we're expecting more out of Kenny Pickett, they can both rise okay. at the same time without necessarily cannibalizing each other's productivity. How do you feel about that? I just want to score one touchdown because just the one. idea of a back tattoo is starting to get a little scary to me. <laughs> it was like, a henna back too. A henna, back tattoo. Some, some are trying to say it needs to be a full on permanent back tattoo. Wow. Yeah. Do you know so. anyone with a full back piece? You? I do not have a full back piece. No. Um, My yeah, wife I mean, Rosie does. Rosie really? has a full back piece. Full back yeah. piece. When you say full back piece, does that mean like every inch is covered or do you Up mean shoulders just like all the way down layers? to like, yeah. Okay. Like um, Jason Tatum got uh, that. I remember. Oh yeah. Got the, like he went from very few tattoos or no tattoos to full on back tattoos. What about the point? Philly guy? Isn't there a Philly sports fan that's got the horn yeah, around his the, belly yeah, button? Yeah, he's got yeah. like every mascot. The yeah. Philly fanatic belly button tattoo. Yeah, he's intense. He's impressive. That is a really impressive setup. I don't think that you could be that guy, Field, just I so was, you know. You know, when I said impressive there, I didn't quite mean it that way. I meant like it's ridiculous, <laughs> but um, I don't know. He feels like the kind of guy you don't mess with. I'm not going to lie to you. Hey, is the hype on B. John Robinson real? This might be the poster child for this conversation. Because uh, there are people who I respect the hell out of their work in this industry yeah. who have B. John Robinson as the number one running back in fantasy this year. Ahead of CMC and Austin Eckler. Ahead of CMC and Austin Eckler. There are people that are going to take B. John Robinson ahead of star wide receivers that we know are going to pay off. B. John Robinson is going to go, I would think, like at worst, ninth or tenth in your draft. The opportunity is so special for a player whose talent is so special. B. John Robinson, a running back, goes to the run heaviest team in the NFL. B. John Robinson, this talent that hasn't been seen out of the draft, the running back spot since Saquon Barkley can do what Saquon Barkley did as a rookie. Over 2,000 total yards from scrimmage. The problem is this. As we often tell you, you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can lose it. Not that we haven't seen a lot of running backs come into the NFL as high pedigree rookies and mash right away. My confidence, though, in B. John Robinson being able to do it is like 98%. It's pretty high. <laughs> which is 2% lower than it is for like Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. Because I've seen them do it before Correct. at the NFL level. Yep. But Bijan is going to end up being the player that either makes you look really smart in the first round or you're going to have significant buyer's remorse and somebody else will come under fire. I'll talk about that somebody else a little bit later on in the show. The opportunity, though, for B. John Robinson is borderline unparalleled. I need him to be top five in touches this year. I need it. Yep. Need it because his skill set, the offense he plays in, and the investment they made. Again, you don't take an eighth overall pick running back and not run him into the ground right away. Okay, so I hear you say that, and mm. we're going to save some of this conversation for a little bit later, but you can say the same thing about drafting a tight end fourth overall yes. or a wide receiver eighth overall. Yep. Like You can have those same conversations a lot of places. The Falcons are really interesting within that conversation because it... You know, let's just do this then. Like, Can we just do the let's conversation? Do because Arthur everything Smith is also on my list. It, it is. Yeah. So like, he's, of course, the Falcons head coach or play caller. There is a fundamental difference between being a running back and a tight end slash wide receiver. Most notably running back, it's turn around, hand the football off and let him do his thing. Yep. Right. 
Uh, even if Bijan Robinson has the ability to be a receiver, like running like real routes, he'll also catch plenty of screen passes and yes, dump offs and check downs, right? Falcons Those reporter Mike Rothstein has said that is going to happen a bunch. He's made that very clear to me this year. And, and that's an easy thing for any quarterback to do that does not require precision downfield passing, right? Nope. So Arthur Smith is also one of my most important people in fantasy football this season. I get it. I, I told you, I bent the rules. I This is where I really went over <laughs> the top because it's a coach, not a player. But Daniel, you're absolutely right. It should not be hard to get B. John Robinson the football. That's not the challenge that Arthur Smith faces. Correct. The challenge is how much does he play Tyler Algier? Mike Clay brought up the point about how like, even if Algier has like 30% of the carries, Totally fine for Bijan, but if it's week five and it's like a 55 to 45 split, I won't have any hair. Mm-hmm. I hopefully won't have a tattoo either hopefully. because hopefully yeah. Deontay will have scored by then. I don't have to worry about it, but I might not have hair. You cannot justify this investment if he's going to be basically a part of a committee. It just doesn't make any sense from an organizational standpoint when you had so many other needs that could have been obviously filled with eighth overall pick yep. in a draft that had plenty of talent still available. They all do at pick eight. So uh, they need Bijan to be the centerpiece of their offense, but they also need to find a way to level up Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Now, the security that you are afforded with Kyle Pitts and Drake London is that they're not being drafted that high. Kyle Pitts was going in the top 25 picks last year, right? Yeah, not happening this year. <laughs> there are certainly people that are all out on Kyle Pitts, and I understand why those people are all out on Kyle Pitts. There are certain players every year that you just can't get behind. You can't justify taking a certain player because of the scar tissue from the year before. Kyle Pitts coming off the board in the seventh round, Drake London in the ninth. So think about that. You're getting a four and a half round discount on Kyle Pitts compared to last season. Yep. Other tight ends that are being drafted in the seventh round are who? Like Dallas Goddard. Goddard, David Njoku, Dalton Schultz. Who else is like close to him? Dallas Goddard. And that's it. Then you're that's taking, it. that's a two round drop to get to Evan Ingram and Pat yeah. Fireman with David Njoku. Right. So if you want to like, you know, again, ninth, seventh round is like, it's not like you're, you're not bypassing Mark Andrews for Kyle Pitts, which is what happened for right. some people last, last year. year. Literally yeah. you're taking him as tight end two or three, maybe even one uh, in some cases. So um, the opportunity cost is so different. And then with Drake London in the ninth round, there are just so many receivers. So it's not that like you're going to lose your league because you used a pick on either of those players. It's just that the pedigree, the ability of them may not match the output. And at some point that's got to fall on the shoulders of somebody. And that somebody is not just the quarterback, but the coach. So Arthur Smith, like we need you and I get it. His motivation is to win. The best way to win, though, in my opinion, is to maximize the talent of the players you have on your roster. I know he's smart enough to do that. Yeah. We saw him lead some great Titans offenses with Derrick Henry absolutely smashing. A.J. Brown being a star player under Arthur Brown. Arthur Arthur Smith, Smith, excuse me. I need more of that this year out of Drake London, but especially out of Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson because Drake London plays at the deepest position in all of fantasy. Right. Kyle Pitts if he just gets utilized close to where he was as a rookie, will totally pay off tight end seven. Totally pay it off. I don't want to say that I'm already past the investment that the Falcons took, you know, in order to grab Kyle Pitts and Drake London. But this year, they need to run the football and make sure that the ball is in B. John Robinson's hands as much as possible because if they can do that and do it effectively, just like the rest of football, that'll open up opportunities elsewhere on the field. field it, should. Shades. it should, it should, it should absolutely open things up in the passing game. And you could have made the case that Desmond Ritter belonged in this conversation as well. 
one of these principles, Desmond Ritter, Arthur Smith, somebody needs to be responsible for these skill players becoming what the stars that they can be. That's right. They have to be. Will Bijan Robinson live up to the hype? We threw that into our YouTube chat as a and? question. 62% said yes. 37%. That's a higher number than I expected. Said no. I'm going to take yes on that for Bijan. I'm very much thinking this kid is going to be the real deal. Let's go. All right. We got one more bit of new or of bills here to pay. Do you smell that feel? Uh, I, what do I smell? That's the f- scent of fresh turf and freshly cracked Dr. Pepper, which can only mean one thing. It is college football season. So block off your Saturdays and swipe a sweet Dr. Pepper from the mini fridge because there's a new season of high kicks, long throws, and fans wheel commercial breaks to carry you all the way to the West Coast games. That's right. The fans are back, and this year things are heating up. We're talking more hot takes, more heartbreak, more layers of face paint. Get ready to drink in all the drama this season with the help of the most delicious college football tradition there is, Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. All right, back here on Fantasy Focus with Field G8. We are finishing out our top 10 players within fantasy football. We're talking about Tony Pollard. We've been waiting to see this guy. I don't want to say this is sort of like the, uh, you know how Matthew used to do the free Aaron Jones thing? Right. This kind of feels like, hey, Tony Pollard is finally freed of Ezekiel Elliott after what we saw last year. Right. What does a free Tony Pollard look like in fantasy? Is he the guy that's primed to break out right before our eyes? Maybe. I mean, you sit there and you look at the other running backs that are being drafted close to Tony Pollard, and they're all stars, right? I mean, it's not like Tony Pollard's being taken ahead of Derrick Henry (laughs) or Christian McCaffrey. He's surrounded by superstars. These are guys who have been there and have done that, but we see a breakthrough player almost every season at the position, and it sure feels like, at least to me, that Tony Pollard could be that guy because while his efficiency is probably going to go down this year, it's just natural to expect it to go down when you have such a massive role likely on tap, right? The more carries you have, the more likely your yards per carries will start to level off a little bit. That being said, he is such an explosive player and he's such a great receiver and the opportunity, like again, this backfield right now, has so little competition for carries that Tony Pollard could end up being a 280 touch player this year. And if he has like 80% of his efficiency from last season, that'll equate to a top five running back. And I know people are telling us he was a top eight running back last year. That's true. This might be a top five running back that does it in a different way than last That's season. Right. Like it's not yep. just that he needed to have like the 50 yard run or like one big swing pass that goes for 40 yards and a touchdown. It's maybe he gets a, you know, a, a consistent 18 to 20 carry touch, uh, 18 to 20 carries per week out uh work output work output yep. i'm making up words right now yeah, words are plus the averages like five to six t- uh, t- uh targets per week i'm yeah. really struggling with words Which, right hey, now. i'll tell you what if he is and this might not be the best comparison but like we saw two very different versions of jalen waddle year one to year two okay i think that that could be a scenario because you're talking about that lack of not lack of efficiency but how that efficiency is going to change because he's going to get more volume i think that could be a scenario here where we see the inverse inverse of that with tony pollard where you get more volume so your efficiency is less but we still expect the production because of that increased volume so waddle year one tons of volume less efficiency year two the inverse not as much i mean still still very efficient but not a hundred catches correct Uh, so yeah that could be it's interesting interesting thought there but yeah i think at a running back for a running back you would you would be fine like you always want volume for running backs like that's what you're chasing most right like you can chase the big play a little bit more at wide receiver just because uh like that that's just the nature of the position right big plays happen more often in the passing game than they do in the running game but yeah he's one of the most important players 
the reason why I mention him beyond all the positive things is that, yeah, I mean, he still has to prove it, right? Like yes. there still is that chance. We've never seen it for a full season. We haven't seen it, right? This is a guy not exactly like an overwhelm you with his size back, right? right? And the Cowboys have in the past been very measured in their plan for Pollard. Like they used to say, and I know that the running back coach is no longer there, but I believe it was something to the effect of like 35 snaps of the sweet spot for Tony Pollard or something. The, the personnel suggests that Tony Pollard is not going to be on a snap count this year, mm-hmm. but the, if the Cowboys hold him back a little bit, then there are other players that are going right around Tony Pollard. They could end up seeing a much more significant workload week in and week out. But I'm optimistic. Like, I think what I just described is very much like the outlier scenario here, like the 10% likelihood. I think the you know 85 to 90% likelihood is that Tony Pollard becomes one of the breakthrough players amongst all fantasy running backs, and he was running back eight last season. And Pretty I crazy. think a big part of that is, and you mentioned this, the depth behind him. It'd be a great bar bet. Hey, name the running backs, the depth running backs for the Dallas Cowboys this year. I know you know them, but like Ronald Jones, Deuce Vaughn, Rico Dowdell. Dowdell. I mean, we do a every day before the show or after the show, we tape some videos that live on the app and I got a Rico Dowdell request and I was, I was like, like, we what? are in it now. <laughs> That's Let's right. go. Like I There's was like, not a lot behind next? Them. Yeah. That's like, a big part of it is knowing that that running back room is thin in spite of all the things that you have talked about. It's the idea that unless they go out and add somebody and we were waiting all off season, we were waiting for them to add someone. The and inverse Ramondre Stevenson, right? I mean, this oh is, yeah, we kept saying Ramondre has such a clear path. There's yep. nobody there. Then they signed Zeke, and it's like, okay, fine. Like, he's still awesome. He's still a top 15 running back. But now the chance for, like, 10 or 12 touchdowns reduced. Tony Pollard, who is that going to be? That's a great question. Unless they sign somebody in the next five days, which seems, I would say, legitimately incredibly unlikely. Unlikely, yeah. So, yeah, things have aligned for Tony Pollard this season. Hey, how about Tony Pollard not being the only part-time running back that is now going to become a full-time running back here this year. Another guy, Alexander Madison. We watched him in that small sample size, filling in for Dalvin Cook, looking like a potential top 10 running back. But again, it's in that small sample size when he's filling in as a full-time player. Where do you think that Alexander Madison can fit in this year? Got him as a low-end RB2. So this is like running back 17, 18. So not as high as what you saw on like the individual weekly basis. You think after a full season, it kind of settles out a little more in the middle. Yeah, there's going to have to be some like uh, proving it. And I get it. People say, what about Bichon Robinson? Again, I like... We're talking about the eighth overall pick yeah, in the draft versus different. a guy that you know was a third round pick, a good player in Alexander Madison, but I think he has to prove it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. A right, and then B is the Vikings have to prove to us that their words are reflected in how they call their games too. They've been saying all the right things about Alexander Madison. This guy's going to be a huge part of our offense. We think he can do a lot of the same stuff that we did last year with Dalvin. Like yep. they seem to think that Madison is their Dalvin Cook this season. If that's the case that he's going to end up being a totally reasonable, if not very strong value as RB 17 or 18. But if after a month they're like, you know what, we're getting more out of Ty Chandler or, you know, other players that they either add or have on the roster at running back, it's going to be a different picture there. But he's really important because every year we are looking for running backs that we haven't previously had much exposure to that can take that step forward. Madison is primed to do exactly that. I wonder if Alexander Madison can be that guy. And I, I don't want to say wonder. I know Alexander Madison can be that guy. Yeah. Could we draft him as a mid to low end RB2? And guess what? 
he is the guy that he was when he filled in for Delvin Cook. He might be running back yeah. nine on the season because yeah. we've seen the efficiency. We've seen the way. And if they're going to use him the way that they keep talking about, that's not crazy. But part of this is hedging your bet because you haven't seen it over a full season. I think we feel a little bit more confidence yeah. in the Tony Pollard side of things than we do the Alexander Madison side of things. Sure. Both of them are really interesting conversations for running backs that are going to be taking on full-time workloads this year that haven't had that in the past. Yep. Let's rip through a couple more. A couple because, more. Field yeah, Jason Daniel Dopp here filling, uh, excuse me, finishing up fantasy Hey-o. focus. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a guy that I feel like if he did not have his holdout this offseason, I wonder if we would have ranked him a little bit higher than we have been. Because right now, I'm still surprised. Josh Jacobs was running back three last year, almost 400 touches. I know we can have the conversation. You'll probably talk about it. Yep. After you have those huge touch seasons, a lot of times there is regression within a player's game. But Josh Jacobs is still the only guy in that backfield. They're going to rely on him there. That He's got a new contract, seemingly right. like it's a positive thing. How are you looking at Josh Jacobs right now? So you're correct in the sense that we will be thinking about him differently without the holdout. But I also think there would have been some people, and I know Mike Clay has pointed One this out them. statistically, mm-hmm. about how like it's just difficult to sustain the workload that Josh Jacobs had last season. Yep. But even though his ADP has normalized since the return, which was not this past weekend, but the weekend before that. So basically 10 days ago, the ADP has definitely come close to normalizing. And yet there are still Josh Jacobs faders right now. Yes, there are people that are saying no way last year was a fluke. And now he's in a contract season, which he was last year, by the way, but now they're weary about the possibility of him, you know, not being able to sustain it or not being able to stay on the field. And if one thing happens to him, I have to remind people, how many running backs are also in a contract year right now amongst those in a contract year. Okay. Tony Pollard. Okay. Derrick Henry. Yep. Austin Eckler. Okay. We just talked about Josh Jacobs. These are all good running backs. Saquon Barkley, right? Like these are guys in the top five (laughs) or 10 of our running backs. So if you're going to say that part of the Jacobs argument is like, I'm worried he comes back, has a slightly sore hamstring. Yeah. He's not going to play for a month. That same exact argument should apply to the risk that you're incurring when drafting all those guys. Yeah. So I'm not really here for the Josh Jacobs might miss a month because of a small injury thing any more or less than I think it should matter for all the rest of those guys who are also in contract season. Okay. So then when people talk about, I don't think that this is going to be a thing coming off of that massive volume season. Here's the thing that I just, I have a hard time with that and I get it. I understand historically, right? He's you. You have a problem with them. I have a problem. With, I have a problem with people having a problem with. Okay, it. got it. Yeah, because he's still twenty five years old. It's not like this is a guy that's twenty eight and put together a massive season towards the second half of his. The kid has still got fresh legs. He should. Yeah, I think that what people maybe are fading is buying him at peak value, which is fair. I don't think this right. is peak value, Josh Jacobs, though. Do you? Uh, at like RB six or seven right now he's coming off the board RB eight. Okay. So I don't think it's peak value, but if it was RB three, then you make a case for it, right? Totally. Josh Jacobs going as like the seventh overall player in your drafts is close to peak value for him. Yep. Uh, because while he had great receiving production last year, there's just such a gap between Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler, who like they're wide backs, right? We right. talked about that with Debo Samuel two years ago. Both those players could easily surpass 100 catches this year and nobody would be surprised. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I am a, a much more an ardent Josh Jacobs believer than I am a Josh Jacobs detractor. But there is more doubt about Josh Jacobs than a lot of other players 
that I think are being drafted close to his range. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And I wonder, coming off of that big season, if he didn't have that holdout, the way that the narrative and the way we as a community would have talked about Jacobs. For sure. Right? That's an interesting one. Last player here. Yeah, a teammate of Josh Jacobs. A former teammate. That's right. Darren Waller, I think a really good conversation because if you are looking for a tight end that could potentially lead his team in targets, not named Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, is there anyone else in that tight end list other than Darren Waller? Who's a better bet? Darren Waller or Mark Andrews, in your opinion? To lead their team in targets? Yeah. Probably Darren Waller. I would think so, too, right? I mean, Zay Flowers, Otto Beckham Jr., Rashad Davis. Like, they like, gave Lamar three. options this year. Yeah, so... Um, they didn't do that for Daniel Jones. Right, so <laughs> there are really not... I mean, other than those three, I think everybody else would only happen if there was like a significant a injury correct right like if justin jefferson were not available because his contract wasn't done then i think tj hawkinson could lead them in targets maybe. um but yeah I, I i think darren waller is a very good bet to lead the giants in targets this year he has been the talk of training camp the detractors seem to think that he is perpetually hurt he has been hurt the past two seasons limited to a total of 20 games last year was legitimate frustration. It seemed like from both sides, that's part of the reason why he got traded this off season. Yep. Uh, so I think there's a chance that Darren Waller absolutely leads the giants in targets, a good chance, very good chance. He leads them in targets. And by the way, freak talent, not like this guy's 35, 35 years old, right? He's like no. 29, 30 years old with yep. very little wear and tear on his body. I'm in on Darren Waller and the value is great. He's going off his tight end four, tight end five, like at that spot in your draft, not a top 25 pick where you're getting like pick what 47, 48 right now. Wow. That's a good. Yeah. Did you look at the ADP? I did not. But that's, that that's, it no, it's pick 50. Okay. You're, I mean, so you are about right? as close so, as you yeah, could get I mean, man. at that point. Like the roll of the dice, like the, the potential upside you're getting. It's not that there aren't going to be other wide receivers taking a pick 50 that will score around Darren Waller. Of course. But it's that you could all of a sudden have one of those edges at a position. If Darren Waller averages 15 points per game this season, it would a be an amazing season. And it would also be an edge over probably every other tight end in your league, except for like two or three max. I am. Max. I am totally with you. I am all in on Darren Waller all this in. year. Love it. Because of the opportunity that he has within this offense. We know how good of a pass catcher he is if the giants had added more to their roster yep. then we would be having a different conversation but they didn't they which did is why we are here and why darren waller is my tight end for someone that i'm looking really heavily at in drafts i still got three more drafts going do you have any more i before? have three more uh two tonight and one tomorrow night the war room league to wrap things up dude how about, how fun is the war room league is that always the last draft that you do like culminating basically your fantasy draft they season? never change the time they never change the time or the date it's always the wednesday before the season at 8 30 p.m eastern time we've got people on different coasts we got people with different responsibilities we got people who are doing shows during the day so wow. i don't have to worry about that one and when it's being scheduled so it is almost always the last one that i do that's so good i've got one more salary cap league uh sort of funky redraft for league tonight and then tomorrow night war room i love it let's go thank you guys so much for hanging out with us i hope that you had fun today especially with all the information that stefania provided go out and follow her if you don't at stefania underscore espn for field my name is daniel we're gonna be back tomorrow talking week one Hey-o. rankings and some big question marks with our buddy mike clay, mike clay. we love you guys don't forget to love each other be kind to yourself you have earned it be safe this week we cannot wait for football on thursday is it thursday yet Field? you better be we love you guys. Is it we'll not? see ya. Should be soon. Should be soon. I need it to be Thursday now. Like right now. Like immediately. Right now. <laughs>